You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Jake continues to be on Daddy Lee in this morning. Mark Kramer, what up, Coach? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Great to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. Plenty to discuss today. Of course, uh, we want your insight, your conversations on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762. Call Stuart to save money on home and auto insurance, 588-7474. Plenty to discuss for a series and perhaps a first game that we thought there would be no drama, no suspense. Well, the Warriors-Cavs certainly delivered some of that last night. Yeah, everybody's kind of testy after that one, especially on the Cavaliers' side. Um, what was what was a, uh, ex- I'll say, exciting game to watch? Yeah. Yeah, the basketball wasn't that great, but the game was close and going into overtime and exciting. But, um, you know, the last 2.4 seconds was a little more exciting than uh, some of the basketball. Yes, there are so many different angles of this yes. to break down. And, of course, we'll dive into it over the next uh, two hours. If you just are waking up or maybe you didn't see the game last night, uh, the Warriors do take care of business in overtime. They win by 10, 124 to 114. But, quite frankly, that doesn't even tell the story of no. what took place in this game. No. Uh, where would you like to start, Kramer, in terms of what took place in this ballgame? Um. Let's go all the way back to the actual regulation part of the game. All right. I'm, then this is just me, and you know I have my own opinions, especially about basketball. But I'm really already tired of LeBron's complaining about the officiating. All right. He fouls. If you look at the film, as Jaworski yeah, says, let's go to the tape. If you watch every replay – Every single time he drives to the basket, yeah. every single time he fouls. Yeah. He either pushes off with his arm, he literally puts his shoulder down and into somebody, or pushes people out of the way when he drives. Every single time he but drives to the basket. When he make the argument that he is literally fouled on every single play, too. Yeah, but he's, he's not. But he's not. That's what I'm saying. If He complains on every single shot. And if, if people say that the offici- officials are not protecting him, they're lying. They're just flat-out lying. For every time that he drove to the basket last night, plus on defense, for every time he fouled last night, for him to go into the fourth quarter with no fouls is an absolute joke Mm. because the officials are protecting him, and it's so obvious that they are. So I just get tired of his whining Mm. in the fourth quarter about, I'm getting fouled, I'm getting fouled. Well, he did have a big foul called against him, of course, a huge point in the game, a judgment call. Of course, a judgment call then that they review, and then they originally called a charge on Durant. They overturn it, called a block on LeBron James, a huge, huge call in that ballgame. And I felt like the, the reversal was correct. If you look at it, I was very surprised that Van Gundy and Mark Jackson both were saying that it was a good call because they were talking about, and I know this is a little technical, but they were talking about, you know, was he in defensive position or guarding what you would call legitimate guarding position? I don't call moving sideways and then lowering your shoulder into a guy's chest. I don't call that legitimate guarding position. So I don't. I didn't see what they were seeing on the replay. I thought the reversal was good. The first time I saw the replay, I thought right away, well, that's not a charge. That's a block. Uh, so I thought that part of it was good. It was a big call, uh, but the you know one really one of the biggest things was the missed free throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know, and everybody. We're going to get into J.R. Smith here in a minute. And just some incredible stuff coming from the post game press conference with J.R. and of course. LeBron, but you go back to, of course, the guy that gets off the hook and the thing that nobody's really talking about this morning and perhaps for the next couple of days, uh, George Hill had an opportunity, of course, to, to win, win the, game. the ball game. Yeah. You're an 80% free throw shooter. This is kind of what you dream about, right, when you're right. a little kid sitting there in the gym 
a free throw in the NBA Finals for an opportunity to win the game, put your team ahead, and ultimately he cannot capitalize. It was woefully short, and then the rebound uh, gets brought out uh, by the Cavaliers because it was a long rebound off the front of the rim, and then, as you said, then the J.R. Smith (laughs) debacle starts. Yeah. So J.R. Smith uh, gets paid, what, $13 million a year. That doesn't exactly mean he's got the basketball IQ. Just another boneheaded play by J.R. Dribbles out the clock. And, of course, LeBron's like, what are you doing? And then, of course, him going back and thought, we were ahead. And you can actually read his lips where he says that. Thought we were up by a point. Afterwards, and we'll play the clip for you here in a little bit, uh, J.R. meeting with the media. Does he own the moment? Does he own the mistake? He does not. Comes back, thoughts, he thought it was a tie. Uh, he thought it was, of course, uh, he said that he was trying to get his teammate a timeout or at least one more shot. Well, if he didn't know they were ahead, why would he do that? Yeah. So you have, you, have two, you have two answers which one is correct. So we'll see how this plays out for old uh, JR. And, of course, LeBron's looking at his teammates like, what more do I have to do in an NBA Finals game to win? He scores 51 points, has eight rebounds, and eight assists. I believe he's the first player to have that kind of stat line in an NBA Finals game and actually lose a ball game. Yeah, he's the first one of the top five. I believe it was, uh, if I'm looking at the graphic right from last night, it was, it was Elgin Baylor, Michael Jordan, Jerry West, and uh, some, I'm missing the fourth person that has had over 50 in an NBA Finals game. Uh, and LeBron is in now the top five at 51. And he um, is the only one to have lost the game. Yeah. Got a couple of texts here. Uh, Daniel says, but if LeBron fouls going in, 95% of NBA players foul when driving. Bobby says he agrees with you, Mark, 100%. You look at this ball game now, what it means for uh, the series overall. You think this was the Cleveland's opportunity to kind of steal one and a missed opportunity at that. Yes, I really do. Uh, you know, it, it's funny too, Aaron, that when I watch that game, Golden State does a better, and I know this is going to sound odd for me to say this, considering he had 51 points, but you got to remember too, he took 32 shots. Mm. You know, it's not like he got 50 points on 25 shots. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind as well, that he took 32 shots. Yeah, not much LeBron love coming from you this morning, Craig. No. Well, he whines too much. <laughs> I, I just don't. I just don't. Uh, I don't like how the officials protect him. He should be treated like everybody else. Does but, the media protect him also? Uh, probably. And, he, and see, he's even antagonistic to the media right. when they're trying to help him out right. and, uh, and talking, you know, good about him all the time. So I just – you can't have it both ways. If you're going to be protected by the officials in the media, then you can't come back and dog people and walk out of press conferences and stuff like that. You can't have it both ways. Either you appreciate the protection mm-hmm. or you, you stand out there on your own and take, and take it – you know, when it comes. Well, he wasn't protected last night at the post-game press conference. You'll hear that clip also later in the show. Uh, Mark Schwartz from ESPN presses LeBron on what he thought that Jr. was thinking. Now, that's tough. Who actually knows what Jr. Smith is right. saying? Right, yeah, exactly. So, uh, he presses LeBron. It did not go well. In fact, uh, LeBron walks off the podium, and as he's walking by, Mark Schwartz tells him, be better tomorrow. <laughs> LeBron should probably use that when he talks to uh, J.R. Smith later. Yeah, and some of his other teammates. You know, one of the things, too, that we're really not talking about is uh, that could have a huge uh, effect as far as rotation Mm -hmm. and depth for Cleveland is the bonehead loss of emotion by Tristan Thompson uh, to come down just because, uh, you know, the – the Golden State guy shot the ball with mm-hmm. two seconds or whatever it was left. He thought that was inappropriate and el- tries to elbow him in the face, and he gets ejected and then throws a punch at Draymond Green. So is he going to be suspended for game two, which I I think it's almost automatic when you get ejected like that. Uh, so is he going to be suspended for game two? That would be a huge a factor for Cleveland, again, as far as their rotation and depth. I know he doesn't score a lot of points and stuff, but 
he still eats up minutes that somebody else would have to take over. Uh, it should be interesting to see, of course, with him shoving that ball in the face of Green, what will happen to Tristan Thompson. And also, in case you didn't catch it, Kevin Love also came onto the court. So the NBA is also reviewing that. That is supposed to be a one-game suspension. So Cleveland's got a lot of issues besides the fact that they're down uh, 1-0 and they got a boneheaded player on their squad named J.R. Smith. A lot of people asking now, where do you put Smith's mistake at in terms of in, uh, blunders in the sports world? Does it go up there with Leon Lett? Does it go up there with perhaps Chris Weber? Does it go along the side of uh, perhaps what, Bill Buckner? Well, in in those other games that you're talking about, you know, the, like Bill Buckner's thing, it lost the game for him. This really didn't technically lose the game. We don't know if J.R. Smith could make a put back or perhaps get it right. Out All this did was send shot. it to overtime, yes. and so you don't know. Even if he passes it to LeBron, if you look, go back and and look at the replay, LeBron is probably a good ten feet behind the three point line. So you you know the percentages of him making a shot in a hurry like that because he would have had maybe a second by the time he had the ball in his hands. He would have had to catch it and throw it. I mean, people have made shots like that, obviously, before, but his percentage would probably be around 15 20% that you could make that shot. So it's not a for sure thing or, or anything like that. And I think, Aaron, you made the best point, and that is that George Hill's the one getting yeah. off scot-free yeah. here. He's the one that missed the free throw that – caused all this so that's a great question who's the least valuable player the lebron james has on his squad is it tristan right i don't know why uh, george hill or is it jr smith yeah i don't know why everybody's dogging jr smith (laughs) he did get the rebound and everything and got it out there but george hill's the one that missed the free throw that started the whole thing rolling uh russell says 51 is 51 of course in reference to lebron's 51 points he doesn't need protection he needs help and how frustrating this must be for LeBron James. Uh, quite a stat here in NBA Finals Game 1 now. He is 1-8 all time. His one win in a Game 1 in the NBA Finals coming back in 2011 versus the Mavericks. That uh, was with the Heat, yeah. correct? Yes. Uh, Gary says J.R. Smith joins Chris Webber, an elite club of boneheads on the court. Now, see, Chris Webber called a timeout. Mm-hmm. And J.R. Smith did not, not call a timeout. Yes. So, on both ends of the sword. Uh, let's just final up that point. Of those four, I think we still have to put Bill Buckner number one. And Leon Lett, his blunders, of course. Yeah. The Super Bowl and then the, the Thanksgiving Day yeah. mishap. Yeah, Bill Buckner's uh, ground ball going through his legs was probably the best. As you can imagine, there was uh, some pure gold on Twitter last night. Uh, some reporters were waiting to get into the Cavaliers' locker room. And uh, somebody put out there that the Cavs locker room is still not open. Somebody uh, then responded by, yeah, they're trying to figure out how to hide a body. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot of bodies. Uh, pure gold. Uh, there's a lot of other references. Uh, the, the picture that you're going to continue to see, of course, LeBron uh, yelling at J.R. Smith. And then the caption, all you had to do was hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. There is going to be some pure gold. You can continue to hit us up at 888-993-7762. we got a lot of fallout from this, a lot of sound coming up. Game one is now in the books and plenty to discuss after game one of the NBA Finals. Other news and notes, we certainly look forward to uh, NCAA regional play today. Got LSU squaring off against San Diego State at 3 o'clock, I believe. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, Northwestern State versus Oregon State. About former Mangum stand-up Rich Heisler will get the start for the Demons. He's having a pretty good year. The junior seven and two on the year. Yeah, going up against uh, the number one overall seed. They've been number one. Uh, them and Stanford have flip-flopped almost all year in the one and two spots in the polls. So, uh, thing is, that's the deal. You know, every and I, you find this out too, Aaron. You've seen a lot of college baseball, and having been affiliated with tech radio uh, early in the season when I'm subbing for Dave Nitz when basketball's still going on. I've seen a lot of different teams, whether small school, big school. You know, just about every Division One team has a legitimate number one pitcher. I mean, a guy that you can say, hey, this guy, this guy's a legit Division One college pitcher. Mm-hmm. Now, the depth may not be there for some of the smaller schools as you get past that one guy, but 
that's why this is so intriguing in the regional round because a team like Northwestern State, if they've got one really stud kind of pitcher, which, again, most teams do, they can go out and beat – that pitcher can go out and beat a really top-flight uh, national seed-type team on that first day. And so anything can happen in college baseball because of the fact that good pitching can shut down good hitting. Well, you go there, Kramer, and LSU's got some major issues. They're going to go with Nick Bush today against San Diego State, the 10th leading hitting team in the country. That's fine and dandy. Then they'll follow up with uh, Zach Hess. But after that, uh, Maneri announced yesterday that Hilliard and Labus are expected to be out for the weekend as they continue to have shoulder soreness. So basically you're talking two of their four starting pitchers will not be available for this NCAA region. Yeah, it's gonna somebody else is gonna step have to step up like Hess did last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had kind of some of the same issues last year, but more with their relief pitchers mm-hmm. last year. So this is something that uh, LSU is gonna have to overcome if they get beyond where those two pitchers, their two regular starters pitch. Um, then they're going to have to, have to either piece go, it together yeah. and then out-hit their pitching is what I always call it. Uh, Matt, Matthew Beck, of course, one of the options. Caleb Gilbert. Cam Sanders was outstanding in the SEC tournament, but he's been shaky as a starter. So the thing for LSU, and Maneri talked about it yesterday, and you'll hear from him later in the show, it's all about them winning game one. they got to figure out a right. way to get through the first one. And then, of course, everybody looks on the horizon and sees a showdown with Oregon State. First things first, they got to take care of the Aztecs. Got to beat the Aztecs first. Good program down there in Southern California. So uh, you know they're going to be. You know they're going to be. California teams are very fundamental, and usually have uh, good arms on the mound. Uh, also, some headlines: uh, ULM's home opener versus Southeastern. They have decided to move it up. It'll now be played on Thursday, August thirtieth, instead of that Saturday. Kind of moving. You guys it. talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Move it did up. Did they listen to your? Did uh, they listen to you and highly Jake? Unlikely. Highly unlikely. Oh, okay. Uh, but an opportunity, of course, uh, with it being Labor Day weekend, move it up a little bit, and they also think maybe an opportunity to get a little bit more national attention. Also, it was announced yesterday that their game at Texas A&M will be broadcast on the SEC network. Ah. Oh. There are the few of the headlines on this Friday morning. You can hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup. Brought to you by Louisiana Pancake. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Let's go crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. All right, you're going to want to hear uh, J.R. Smith's explanation on what he was thinking in the closing seconds of that ball game. Also, uh, LeBron goes storming out of his post-game press conference. You'll hear that clip coming up. Plenty of sound, of course, from the NCAA regionals. Also, hear from Lane Burroughs on perhaps the format of baseball should be changed, Kramer. Expanded a little bit. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear that. Of course, because the Diamond Dogs left out this season for the second year in a row. We always look forward to catching up with Louisiana Tech Athletic Director Tommy McClellan. He will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about the year that the Bulldogs and Lady Texters had this year, also at 8.30. How about this? Former Saint, recently retired Luke McCown will join us at 8.30. He's got some big news to announce on the morning drive. Sounds good. Joey Trappe will join us at 8.45 for his weekly push. Hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. We're off and running on this Friday morning. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at RonnieWardToyotaOfRuston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit RonnieWardToyotaOfRuston.com. Drive your dream, live to drive. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. 
Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. If your business depends on technology, then you can depend on NetTech. We offer remote desktop and service management, cloud-based document access, email services, IP phone services, fiber internet, and data security products. With locations in Monroe and in Ruston, our friendly technicians and help desk staff are ready to solve all your IT problems. Let NetTech be your IT department. Visit nettech.net or call 866-668-0001 today. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston. All right, we continue to try to break down what we witnessed uh, last night. Uh, Kramer and I were joking during the commercial break. So in the locker room last night, so George Hill's probably just sitting in his locker room. Hey, what's yeah. it, what's going on? What, what's all the hubbub? <laughs> Why is everybody dogging LeBron and and uh, J.R. Smith, man? I mean, what's the deal? Or he just ducks out of the side door and right. He showers, <laughs> gets dressed, and says, uh, "Hey, see you guys. I'm what, all. I'm out of here." What could have been though, and everybody remember him. Oh, Mr. Clutch steps up to the line and uh, you know. Well, as I told you, he made the first one so easily. I really and truly thought he was going to make the second one. Uh, but it was terribly, terribly short. And uh, I thought that they were going to go up one, and then Golden State would have 4.7 to go down and try and uh, either tie it or win the game. And then, of course, we'd be having a discussion if the you know he makes the free throw, they're up by one. They come down, Kevin Durant then would pass the ball off, and then the whole conversation would be, why is Durant not taking that shot in the closing seconds? Right. In fact, you look at overtime, and I believe we look back at the stats, and of course, Golden State takes care of business in OT. But I believe Curry and uh, Durant combined had a total of one shot in OT. Yeah, because, <clears throat> excuse me again, uh, the person that was really hot at the end of the game and into overtime was Clay Thompson. Yeah. You know, I think he hit two or three threes almost right in a row that uh, added to that lead in the very, very early minutes of overtime. I know he hit two from the corner. And then he hit one where uh, Steph Curry was actually passing it to somebody else, and Clay t- the ba- pass was bad. Clay Thompson broke behind whoever the pass was going to, caught the ball at the three-point line in front of the Cavs bench, and then just buried it. Mm. All right, this is going to be a tricky situation we're getting into. Let's go inside the mind of J.R. Smith. Oh no. So it's like a maze in there. You, you really think after everything that takes place, and of course you read his lips on the court, you're thinking afterwards he just face, faces the microphones, faces the cameras, and just owns the moment, owns the mistake, right? Just says, well, I, I, I didn't exactly know the score at the time, and just let it be, right? Right. That is not what happened. Here is J.R. Smith meeting with the media following the game. Let's break down his comments and what he was thinking in those closings. George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout, and I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't stand right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off, and then I see him. I look. I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I just stopped, and then uh, the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leading. No, I seen it. I knew we were tied. It's just I thought we was going to call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was going to shoot over Katie right there. So. And the replay, and the replay, it looked like you said to LeBron, "I thought we were ahead." If I thought we were ahead, then I, I would have just held on to the ball that him foul me. But clearly, that wasn't the case. JR, did you not, it, it, on the replay, it doesn't look like you have a clear layup. I mean, there's two guys there, and you had no clear pass to the basket. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I saw KD standing right next to me. Um, 
He had he already had what four blocks, so I wasn't about to be the fifth. All right, Kramer, pick your job from the floor. <laughs> you're, you're not buying. Well, it's obvious to anybody that saw the replay. I thought we were ahead, man. <laughs> I thought we were ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I knew we were tied. I knew we were tied. I was just trying to get the ball out there and, and, call, and call a timeout. And Coach should have called the timeout. He should have thrown the right of everybody else under the bus. Who's calling the timeout for us? Well, and he could have. Yeah, he could have. You know, the coach could call it from the bench. He's making that reference. Well, I thought we would call a timeout. Right, right. And he's – well, he also said, if you remember, he just said (laughs) that – well, I looked over and LeBron looked like he was going to call a timeout. (laughs) What LeBron was doing was holding his arms out, throw me the ball. What in the world are you doing? Throw me the ball. Hey, knucklehead, I'm over here. Throw me the ball, I'm open. (laughs) Oh, brother. Yeah, it's revisionist history is what I like to call it. I'm really amazed, though, he, he went down that path in the postgame press conference. Well, it's easier if you don't have so much evidence. Yeah. But, I mean, goodness sakes, uh, there's about five different angles, uh, camera angles of that whole sequence from the free throw all the way to the end of the game or the end of regulation in that last three or four seconds. Uh, there's tons of video on that. How can you – know that that's out there, and then come back and face people in a press conference and say, well, I knew we were, I knew it was tied, and LeBron looked like he was going to call a timeout, and KD was standing right next to me. <clears throat> oh, that's, that's really uh, the epitome of um, being blind. Yeah. <laughs> And not, as you said, not owning it. And we always talk about it, of course, professional athletes. You, you screw something up, the thing you got to do is you have to meet the media. And, and we, I, number one circumstance, just it's recent in history. Marcus Williams, of course, what would that happen with the Saints? And you're curious how that kid would handle that situation with the all-time blunder that he had, of course, the missed tackle. And he went up there, and, of course, he admitted his mistakes. And I think he's learned from it, and I think that will make him a better player from here on out. Well, now, JR, he was more respected for it. Yeah, now, Jr. I don't know what he's going to do after. You know, now he's all in saying that, you know, he thought we were going for a timeout. He's just dribbling it out to get some space. So now he's painted himself into a whole other corner instead of just fessing up right after the game. You know, it's going to be interesting is every time he touches the ball, the Golden State crowd's going to chant, timeout, timeout. <laughs> Uh, Quint says, no, it looked like a LeBron looked like he was drawing back to punch him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, all the way from half court. Uh, uh, the shots in the huddle were pretty priceless, just LeBron there, and you can see his mind racing and, and just uh, how frustrated he must be at this point. What more does one guy have to do to try to win a world championship? But, you know, Aaron, he paints himself – and I'm trying to be objective here and thinking for the future as well. We can tell you're not a LeBron fan. Well, but he paints himself into a corner okay. with this. You know, he wants to be the man, which he is, and he wants to be the best uh, player there is right now, and he is. But say he goes, you know, there's big the big talk. Where he's, is he going to go? Is he going to stay in Cleveland? Is he going to go to the 76ers or wherever? Well, what if he does go play with two or three really good players like uh, Ben Simmons Mm -hmm. and Embiid. Say he does do that. Mm -hmm. Well, then his role is diminished. Mm -hmm. These other two superstars in in the making, in Embiid and Simmons, they're not going to just sit there and take five shots a game just because LeBron James is on their team. So, you know, how does he – how do you want it? Do you want to be the guy all the time and Mm -hmm. score 40 or 50 points, you know, taking 30 or or 40 shots a game? Or – do you want to be on a team where you have some help and play a little bit of a diminished role? Again, as I said about another subject earlier, you can't have it both ways. Uh, you know, and I understand it's probably frustrating for him being as good as he is and not having a whole lot of help on the team. But there also is a salary cap involved in this as well that you have to deal with. So, you know, we would love for all of the best receivers in the NFL to be catching passes from Drew Brees, too. But it's just not possible. Uh, ben says LeBron was the guy in Miami with Dwayne Wade in his prime. He'll be the guy wherever he goes. That's right. He will be the guy. But that's what I'm saying. Will it work 
you know, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were already veteran players. So you had three veteran superstars on that Miami Heat team at the time that all understood if we and I hate this phrase, but I'll have to use it, the process. Mm-hmm. You know, they all ex- understood what the process was, and they were willing to share time and the ball to be able to get to where uh, the Heat wanted to go. I don't think that you're going to get as much of that from young, budding superstars that are only 21, 20, 21, 22 years old, like the guys, for example, from the 76ers. Because anywhere else he goes, he's not going to have – say he went to the Lakers – well, they're terrible. He, he's not going to have any – unless they brought in Paul George or somebody, he's not going to have any help with the Lakers either. You know, there's very few teams that can afford him and a couple other guys to surround him with that are really, really good. LeBron doesn't like to be challenged by the media. He was certainly done – he was certainly challenged by uh, Mark Schwartz from ESPN. Coming up after the break, you'll hear the big confrontation between those two and then his parting shot that he had towards Schwartz at the end of the presser. That's coming up next on The Morning Drive. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. When things heat up and you need to cool down, call the experts at Chili's Heating and Cooling. Take advantage of our current offers on all our qualifying Lennox air conditioning systems. Visit us online at Jilly'sAC.com and like us on Facebook. Jilly's Heating and Cooling, your independent premier Lennox dealer. Chili's Heating and Cooling, we heat you up, we cool you down. Local Sports Talk is on the air on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Mark Kramer hanging out this morning in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Uh, Jake continues to be on daddy leave. This will be my uh, final day for a while. I will be uh, on vacay after this show. The countdown is on, Kramer. And I appreciate you. You're going to be filling in next week. I know you will do an outstanding job. Well, I'll try my best. I don't can't fill in totally for you guys, but I appreciate the uh, opportunity to fill in, and I'll have multiple co-hosts. All right, multiple. In the, in the next uh, in the next week and a day, since you'll be out all next week, and then the Monday of the next week. So, we'll have a good time. Good. Uh, we continue to break down. Perhaps you'll have a entertaining and intriguing NBA Finals to break down. We certainly had that in Game One. In case you were sleeping, Golden State does take care of business. They win by 10. Spread was 12 and a half, so, you know, Cleveland did cover. Just sended it to overtime. But ultimately, Golden State wins 124 to 114. So much in this ball game, besides the fact that the Warriors take a one nothing lead in this series. A lot of the discussion continues to be about J.R. Smith. What was he thinking in the closing seconds in a tie ball game while he basically dribbles out the clock at end of regulation? So this is a – I'm torn here. LeBron has to answer so many questions and, of course, defend his teammates. And he's going to do it here. You'll hear it in the soundbite coming up. He's up there on the podium, and nobody in their right mind actually knows what J.R. Smith is thinking. Hopefully ever, right? not. Ever? Hopefully not. So now he's going to be pressed, LeBron is, about J.R. Smith and what unfolded at the end of regulation Let's play the clip. This is LeBron and ESPN's Mark Schwartz going back and forth. From listening to everybody's reaction to the play at the end with Jr. getting the rebound, there's still confusion about whether Jr. thought the game was tied 
or the way, or whether he thought you guys were ahead from where you stood on the court and from talking to him after the play what you, what's your reaction to it what's your version what do you mean what's my version well did he think that the game was tied or did he think that you guys had it salted away how do i know that or did you discuss it at all with him at the end of the play no they asked me if i talked to jr about it i said no already i knew it was a tie game we met, we, we was down one um, George Hill went up. He made the first one. We got the offensive rebound. You know, I thought we were all aware of what was going on. That's my view. So, I don't know what Jr. was thinking. I don't know the question you're trying to ask. I was just trying to see if you you knew exactly what his state of mind was. Did he think that you guys had it won, or did he think he was trying to make a play? No. Not sure. What do you mean? I'm not sure. No, I don't know his state of mind. Did you know if he knew the score? Thank you. You heard it there at the very end. Very as, low, As he's yeah. walking by, uh, Schwartz, he says, do better tomorrow. Some would say probably say that to a number of his teammates after the game. All right, first time you've heard that. What do you think? Um, I think he was walking a fine line between semi-answering the question and not dogging his teammate. You know, regardless of whether somebody just really screws up or not, most of the time you don't want to throw a teammate under the bus in a public forum. Now, you could tell that he was extremely upset with him on the court, uh, which I thought was, you know, I understand the emotions and everything. You also don't want to show your teammates up during a ball game uh, either, even though they make a, a bonehead play like that. So uh, it's a fine line that you have to walk. I thought he was a little rude and arrogant, but he's that way most of the time anyway. But – um, okay. There's something that he could have he could have said a lot more, uh, kind of throwing J.R. Smith under the bus, and he did not do that. So I have to admire that. I'm torn on this because I feel like so and many you've times, been in those so many times, media members, of course, uh, just give LeBron just a pass, and they're throwing up softball questions. I like yeah. the fact that Schwartz stood there and he pressed him a little bit. I think he pressed him a little bit too, too hard much, yeah. because you come to a point. I mean, literally, what is LeBron's supposed to say, how is he supposed to know what J.R. Smith is thinking in that moment? Right. And then back, you know, LeBron didn't handle it very well. There at the and end. that's an easy, easy question. Even on the national level, on NFL Monday and Sunday night games, it just absolutely kills me. I usually say it before it happens. And my, if I'm watching a game with my dad or my wife, it's funny because then they start laughing. Because before it's said, I always say, okay, here it comes. What was in your mind when this happened? Mm -hmm. That's a stock question that almost everybody asks for some reason or another. What was in your mind when this play happened, or what was in that? What was in your mind is a is a stock question for most of the national media. So it's I'm not surprised that he asked it that way. But you're right, uh, heaven forbid. And, and I want to cue in real quick. Uh, tie. <laughs> a tie in Jonesboro says I woke up feeling crappy today. Then I realized, man, it feels good not to. J.R. Smith. That's that's probably one of the best texts we'll get all day. Uh, Shane C. says the game was so aggravating last night. Cavs shouldn't have won that game. Refs won that game for Golden State. That'll be a major talking point today. And, of course, the overturned call that went against LeBron James in the end of regulation. Uh, Randy says, of course, he was uh, pissed referencing LeBron. Yep. And then Shane C. also comes back and says, uh, come on, it's the NBA Finals. They got hosed. Of course he's mad. Yes, he is mad. Uh, got to do better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty, for both for both teams, uh, I don't necessarily agree that, that Golden State got, you know, everybody's focusing on the switched charge uh, block call. But the officiating in the entire game was horrific. Uh, I've never understood how – with the NBA being the entity that it is, that the officiating as a general rule, not just in the playoffs or anything like that, but just as a general rule, the officiating in the NBA is really terrible, mm -hmm. and it's terribly inconsistent. 
Now, I know from a coaching perspective, for me, that would be very frustrating, and it's got to be frustrating for the players as to uh, this is called on this end and it's not called on the other end, the same kind of play. A lot of the balls last night, Aaron, uh, especially when you see the replays, a lot of the either balls being knocked away or steals were clean, either clean blocks or clean steals, and that was for both teams. I mean, Durant hit one away from LeBron James. They called a foul on him. Oh, it was a clean. It was a clean steal. I mean, LeBron had the ball between his hands. Durant came up, not down. Came up from the bottom and tapped it away, and they ended up getting the ball. But they called a foul on Kevin Durant. So uh, the inconsistency, players, no matter what sport it is, if you're a receiver in the NFL, if you're a pitcher in Major League Baseball, you just want to know, okay, what is the standard that you're using? If an umpire is going to call the ball two two inches off the plate a strike, okay, we'll stay there the whole time. You know, they just want to know, a catcher and a pitcher, and even the hitters, want to know if, okay, if that's a strike today, then just stay there the whole ball game. Don't all of a sudden have a, a 10-cup strike zone starting in the sixth or seventh inning. Just stay consistent. And that's where the frustration, I think, a lot of times comes with the NBA players is that the officiating is not only bad sometimes, but it's very, very inconsistent. Maybe LeBron was just pissed off at his uh, fashion designer. As he storms off the podium, did you get a, a look at what he was wearing walking in and, of course, leaving the stadium last night? No. So a full designer suit, very nice, obviously cost him some money. But he was going with the uh, shorts with the suit. Ah. Uh. Okay. Yes. With the with the high socks and the designer shoes. It was uh, not exactly that great of a look. <laughs> I don't know how many people can actually pull that off. Hey, when you're when you have all the money they have, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, you know, and I was showing the picture around the, the newsroom before the game and then of course uh, a lot of them said, "Hey, what about the bag he's carrying?" And then of course Darren Ravel comes out and says, "Yeah, it was a $41,000 bag that LeBron James was carrying." Not too shabby. And, of course, uh, the, the 10-23 curse strikes again last night. I think I've missed more great moments in sports standing on that desk. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than doing a sports cast and literally knowing uh, nobody's watching it because they're watching the game yeah. and, and knowing you're missing a great moment, and that's certainly what happened at the end of regulation. It, it never fails. I think I could just make a list of great moments that I've missed in the because, last 18 years. Because of doing the show? That have literally taken place around 10.20 to 10.30. That 10-minute window always delivers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can continue to weigh in on the NBA Finals. Game number one, Golden State, of course, taking care of business in dramatic fashion versus Cleveland. Let's take a timeout. You want to talk a little college baseball coming up? Absolutely. And then at 8 o'clock, we look forward to hearing from Louisiana Tech AD Tommy McClellan. You can weigh in if you have a comment or a question for him. And then 8.30 should be fun. Former Saints quarterback, recently retired Luke McCowan, joins us on the morning drive. We're back after this. Looking for affordable home building here in Northeast Louisiana? Look no further than Allen Builders. The folks at Allen Builders are dedicated to building that quality custom home that you've always been dreaming of. In the need of a remodel, bathrooms, kitchen, flooring, the folks at Allen Builders can handle it. Issue with a roof? Whether it's tearing off and replacing existing shingles, replacing rotten decking, and installing solar power vents, yep, they've got that covered. For more information, call Allen Builders today, 348 348- 8920-348-8920. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whenever you want. At Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. The all-new Yard Power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. Your Cub Cadet Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cub Cadet Pro Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection, even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. 
So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Grab another cup of coffee. And keep tuned to The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. All right, Kramer, how fired up are you that uh, we got some uh, NCAA regional action later today? LSU, of course, versus San Diego State. You can hear it right here on Sports Talk 97.7. Then also later in that regional, Oregon State slugging it out with Northwestern State. Looking forward to college baseball. This is a great time of year. I know a lot of people in our area that – uh, make the pilgrimage to Omaha. I've already gotten their tickets and talking about uh, going to the College World Series. So, yeah, you ever had an, ex- an opportunity to go up there? I have not. Huh. I have I not. Have and not. I would love to go. Everybody that goes just uh, falls in love with it. Uh, let's talk a little uh, LSU uh, long trip. In fact, I did not realize this. This is uh, LSU's longest road trip in the history of that program chartered flight of course up there they had some uh, issues some bad weather so they actually uh, landed uh, i don't even remember where it was but they were delayed for a while then continued on they did arrive to oregon state and of course uh, that stadium that i believe was built in a 1903 seats about 3500 they got a practice in yesterday then uh, the tigers were asked about their trip to corvallis and of course the weather that they'll be facing it's different here. The buildings look very different. I mean, it's everything's different. <laughs> the travel was, you know, long, seven hours on a plane. I mean, I've never seen snow legitly, but I mean, it's pretty cool seeing the mountaintops when you're on the when you're on the plane. So and since we've been here, uh, we haven't seen the sun. Uh, there's a lot of clouds in the sky. My wife and I went out for a late uh, bite to eat. We about froze. I felt like it was January in Baton Rouge. Uh, that was uh, Zach Watson, uh, Bo Jordan, of course, Paul Maneri commenting on what they face so far in Corvallis. Yeah, the weather definitely different. You're going to also have a lot of wind, <clears throat> excuse me, coming off the uh, Pacific Ocean uh, where Corvallis is and coming through the passes there with the mountains and different things. It's completely a different dynamic for sure. It's going to be damp most of the time. If they do see the sun, it'll be pretty rare. Uh, the, if they luck out and see a, a day that has some sunshine. And uh, they also may have some delays as well because uh, this is one of the times of the year where it rains quite a bit. Uh, I think they have like 250 days up in that part of Oregon and Washington where it rains at some point, measurable rain out of 365 days. So. They've got bigger issues than the weather, and that, of course, being their pitching staff. Uh, Maneri said yesterday that both freshmen Hilliard and Labus are out for the weekend. Both pitchers continue to have shoulder soreness, so literally two of their four starting pitchers will not be available for this weekend. Do they have enough arms to get through a regional? They're hoping they can get an outstanding performance uh, later today from uh, Nick Bush. You look at Bush's numbers overall, a little bit of a roller coaster season. Uh, Here's Paul Maneri on what he expects from Bush, and then, of course, you'll hear from the sophomore on what an opportunity this is for him to pitch in an NCAA regional. We have a lot of confidence in Nick Bush. He's, he's grown tremendously as a pitcher, and uh, he's a great competitor. He made a lot of clutch pitches for us this year. We're going to be shorthanded on the mound. It, uh, it would behoove us to stay in the winner's bracket, let me put it that way. I feel good that uh, Coach had the confidence to give me the ball first game. Um, as a staff, I feel like going through the SC tournament because we always seem to kind of click when we get there and uh, I feel like the pitching staff did a really good job at the SC tournament. I feel like we're kind of figuring things out. I think we're going to be doing well here. So literally, Kramer, you look at this regional, I mean, it, I mean, you can make the argument it pretty much boils down to this game one against San Diego State and what kind of effort they can get out of Bush and how much that's going to tax the rest of their bullpen for the rest of the weekend. Of course, <clears throat> this is not uh, rocket science. Yeah. 
but the formula for them is going to be what it is for most teams, uh, regardless of what tournament you're playing in or even if it's a conference game. They're going to want to try to get at least seven innings out of their starters. Set the send a setup man, whoever that is, whoever they're going to use as a setup man, in for an inning, and then bring the closer in for an inning. Uh, if they can get seven strong innings, whether it's tied or they have a lead, which would be the optimum thing, of course, then that's going to be the formula for them because then they're not going to tax the bullpen by having to come in too early with middle relief guys. That's that's what that's to me that's the only scenario that could hurt LSU is to have their starter only go four or five innings and have to go to the bullpen that early. If they do, then they're going to have some issues later on even if they win that first game. But if they can get if they can get to seven innings, maybe even eight innings and only have one guy or two guys have to come in for one inning apiece, then that's really going to help them later on. So, obviously, uh, Zach Hess will get the start in game two. What that means for the rest of the weekend or perhaps who you're going to bring out for long relief. If Bush does struggle today, you got Matthew Beck, who uh, started Friday against Florida through four shutout innings. Caleb Gilbert, who started uh, two games in the SEC tournament, had kind of mixed results. And, of course, Cam Sanders has been all over the map, but he was outstanding in the uh, SEC tournament, I believe he faced 28 batters and retired 25 of them, only gave up three hits in the entire tournament, so perhaps he can continue his hot hand. Uh, Maneri was asked if he can compare this to any other time in LSU baseball history, at least since he's been there. He said uh, back in 2013, uh, they suspended Cody Glenn. Ryan Eads struggled in game one, and Aaron Nola allowed five runs in the first inning of game two against Sam Houston State. But they were able to battle their way back through that regional just because, uh, you know, Aaron Nola was outstanding. He came back and, of course, uh, later on in that regional uh, was fantastic through a six shutout innings after throwing just 42 pitches in his first outing. This should be interesting to see how this plays out with LSU. Yeah, again, <clears throat> it all depends on the starter in game one and how long he can go and how effective he is. Because Hess, <clears throat> excuse me, Hess is somebody – that could go, could pitch a complete game. You know, he's a big horse that can go in there and and throw a low pitch nine inning game. Now the reverse of that, Aaron, uh, because of the depth problem that they have, is if those guys go that long, yeah. they're probably going to be fairly burned for, say, a game on Sunday, for example. Uh, if uh, they had to come back, if they did maybe lose the second. Say they won the first one, lost the second one, and did have to beat somebody twice where maybe some of these guys would have to come back. The longer they go in their original start, it's going to be tougher for them to come back on short rest and be effective. LSU versus San Diego State, 3 o'clock our time today. You can hear it on Sports Talk 97.7. Ultimately, everybody looks at this regional and thinks it's LSU versus Oregon State. Everybody wants to see this rematch between the Tigers and the Beavers. Of course, they squared off three times last year in the College World Series. In fact, LSU ended Oregon State's season. So a tough draw when you consider the Beavers will certainly be holding a grudge and are looking forward to getting the Tigers into their place. And you look at this makeup of Oregon State, they are literally loaded. Uh, You know, number one, number two, number three overall seed for a majority of the year. Here's Paul Maneri joking around about this Oregon State squad and kind of give us a scouting report if LSU is fortunate enough to square off against the Beavers. I think there's about five or six guys in their everyday lineup that were in their lineup last year. Huh? Eight. Oh, jeez. Now I'm not going to sleep. Was there eight? Oh, Lord. Can we change where we're going? Huh? I guess it wouldn't help if I told you a couple of them are hitting 395. Oh, that would be wonderful to know. Thank you. <laughs> and they also got that pitcher back. Yep. And uh, you got the pitcher that beat us back as well. I think their closer's got 14 saves. Can you guys actually find some weaknesses for me on this team? Would you do that for me? Hey. They lost 10 games. That's why we. So you say there's a chance, right? So you say there's a chance. 
and they are playing at home, and I understand it's a very hostile environment on turf where it rains and it's cold. Outside of that, I think we got everything in place exactly the way we want it. Um, that's why I'm not thinking about Oregon State right now. Let's, <laughs> let's get through San Diego State. Hey, we just skunked the number one team in the country 11 to nothing. Anything is possible, right? That is true. Good point. Sounded a little like Don Chow's there for a minute. Yeah, he was poor mouthing yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one of the classic poor mouths right there. Why did I could hear? I just hear it. Why should we even get on the plane? Yes. I mean, I don't even see why we would have to travel up there and and play. Let's just mail the score in. Yes. They've got better athletes than us. It's going to take everything we got to hang in there with them. You know, it's always interesting to me when we get to this point in the year because Oregon and Washington both are just not what us here in the southern part of the country think of as a hotbed for baseball. <laughs> you know, you really don't. You know, you'd think more of, the, of maybe some of the major league Midwestern towns, the Chicago's, the, the Cincinnati's, the St. Louis's, uh, even New York, Boston, those areas. And I know the weather weather's bad out in Oregon too, but you, you don't see the, the type of competitiveness on the college level uh, from those kinds of Midwestern and Eastern uh, cities. And so same thing is true. I saw that Washington is in one of the regionals also. But Oregon State or Oregon, just I've never just thought of that as a hotbed of baseball. Maybe LSU will catch a break. Maybe Northwestern State will put up a huge fight against the Beavers and, of course, pull the upset. That one, of course, coming up after LSU San Diego State. We had Bobby uh, Barbaray, Northwestern State's coach, on the show earlier this week. We were talking to him about his starting pitcher. He's going to go with former Mangum standout and Aaron's ace at Ridge Heisler on the mound. He's had a great junior year. He's 7-2 and two on the year. Pretty cool story with Ridge. We remember him, of course, a three-year starter on the football field for the Dragons. He's an outstanding pitcher. Led, actually, Mangum to a state championship his sophomore year. Junior year, I think they made it to the semifinals. Then, of course, he ran into some arm issues, injury that he suffered in football. You're curious how that would play out for his collegiate career. He was supposed to go to uh, ULLLL, the Raging Cajuns. They had concerns with his shoulder, kind of told him, hey, go to LSU Eunice. After being there for two years, then we'll get you on the the campus Lafayette. Uh, The offer wasn't there after those two years. So he looked around, and he found a home in Northwestern State. He's gone through a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but it's happy to see him now kind of excel where he has at this point. Yeah, I did some of his uh, games when I was uh, first year. I did OCS's mm-hmm. games, and then you know they were in that uh, state championship game, I believe at UL mm-hmm. at ULM mm-hmm. at uh, Warhawk Field, the year they hosted the Class A uh, state championship before the split. So um, yeah, he's and he's really he was really good then, mm-hmm. and uh, you never know. It's like I said earlier in the show, every team, every Division One team's got a good number one pitcher. And if they can shut him down, if they can shut them down in a game like this, uh, I always say it this way too, Aaron, and, and you've seen it in so many games that you've covered in all sports over the years. After a certain amount of time, if you get to the, like, sixth inning and the uh, uh, an extreme underdog is still ahead, then I always feel like the pressure shifts from the underdog to the favorite because then your 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 hitters start pressing at the plate trying to get a get, trying to get something going and then your pitchers kind of feel the pressure because they know they can't give up any any more runs and the the underdog team now is loose hey we're ahead nobody expected us to be ahead 4 to 1 in the 7th inning and they haven't got anything to lose so they become I think more dangerous uh, if a underdog like Northwestern State is ahead uh, after the sixth inning. All right, real quickly here, uh, here's uh, Bobby Barbaray, uh, Northwestern State's head coach on Ridge, and of course their chances in this NCAA region. It's been great. You know, he's he's been our Friday night guy since about halfway through the season. You know, which is tough to do. It's tough to, to, to throw on Friday night. You haven't seen the other team yet in person, and just a little video, but. You know, Ridge, Ridge is a neat story because Ridge kept on getting better. You know, he had that arm injury from football um, coming out of high school and with the units. And then, uh, I mean, we we saw him this first year, you know, and then we saw him the second year in the bullpen, and we liked him, and they just kept getting better. And then we started to like him a little more, and then we loved him. And obviously now he's done 
he's done great things for us. So he's uh, he's continued to get better ever since that arm injury he's had, uh, which is testament to him and the hard work. It's not easy to come back from those things. And what I remember the most from him, uh, just being a fierce competitor. Yeah, he, he, he can teach his tail off. There's no doubt about that. And, again, it goes back to, to he, was, he was taught that. You know, I mean, he, he was taught that, that way to compete. Um, we didn't have to do anything to get that out of him once he, once he got here. All right, Coach, let's talk a little bit about this regional as you make your way to Corvallis. Uh, you look at it, and everybody sees Oregon State and LSU, and you get your first shot at the Beavers as you start kind of breaking them down. Obviously, they're pretty good, only 10 losses on the year. You know, I remember seeing them in their World Series run last year and just, just in awe how good of a team they had. You know, they, they play really clean baseball. They, they take care of the ball. they got really good athletes and position players, so they, they can take away a bunch of hits from you uh, when it comes to that. And they pitch really well. You know, I don't know who we'll see on, on Friday, but, the uh, you know, their, their top one or two guys are, are pretty special. So we're going to have to go in there and compete hard and play well. Obviously, LSU, we're pretty familiar with them. We played them a couple weeks ago. Don't know a whole lot about San Diego State. We've got scout reports on them. But need to watch some more video of them to, um, to get a little better feel if we end up playing them. So it's a good chance for our kids to compete um, in a different circumstance. You know, and that's what one thing we talk about a lot is that competing regardless of circumstance. That can go for all things. Uh, but it's just a different circumstance for our guys. And I, I, think, I think they'll come in ready to that was Bobby Barbary from Northwestern State as they get ready for Oregon State. You can hear LSU versus San Diego State today at 3 o'clock on Sports Talk 97.7. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, you'll hear from Louisiana Tech's Athletic Director. Conference USA has a new schedule for basketball. Plus, we'll uh, reflect on the Bulldogs and Lady Texas' success this season. The Morning Drive is back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.